Get ready for 25 minutes from the most cynical loudmouth jerk in sports talk. Off the Curb with Justin Spiro starts now. Well, welcome back to Spiro Avenue and for the first time ever, welcome to Off the Curb, the solo show. We're going to have a lot of fun. You know, this is a show based in Detroit and has had historically a large Detroit focus, but we are going national, so to speak. But it's very convenient for day one because the national team, uh, or the local team, I should say, on the national scale is big right now. The Detroit Lions are all over the national news. They're all over. And for a little Detroit show that's putting their big toe into the national pond, The timing really couldn't be any better. And the Detroit Lions thing is already off the rails. And it's not just locally, it is nationally. But we'll address it on the local level. You know, we're Detroiters, Metro Detroiters, however you want to phrase it. And I am baffled, completely baffled by the stories, the narratives, the perspectives that people are having. I think people are getting it wrong. So we're on the national stage. We're getting a lot of affection. The the back padding is going on ad nauseum in town and everyone's doing cartwheels and it's cartwheels based on a number of factors. Dan Campbell, new head coach, has this wonderful, exciting, eccentric, funky press conference. And we feel like Dan Campbell understands us. He gets the pain. He feels our pain. He was here for five seconds of 0 and 16 in 2008. So everyone's excited about Dan Campbell, right? Head coach, very exciting stuff. We're all going nuts. Brad Holmes, Brad Holmes, the new GM, he's been on the job for one week and he completely fleeced the Los Angeles Rams and the Matthew Stafford trade. So everyone's excited. We got the GM. We got our guy. And the worst of the three, the most egregious of the three, and we're going to get into it on a deep level, Sheila Ford Hamp, the third crack in that family's bloodline at getting this ownership thing done right and competently. Sheila Ford Hamp, we are told, is running this thing differently. And it is based on a very uh, small sample size, based on very minute, if any, evidence. I would argue that the evidence is the contrary, and we're going to get into that. So I know everybody's excited. Everyone's saying Dan Campbell's great. Holmes is great. Sheila Ford Hamp is a breath of fresh air, I guess, as much as you can be, being the third member of that in that bloodline to run this thing. Everyone's excited. I'm going to be the wet blanket. And I don't want to be. I I have no interest in being the wet blanket. I wish I could get on board with this stuff. But let's go right down the list. What did we talk about? Dan Campbell. Everyone's very excited for Dan Campbell. Easy to forget that he is a position coach that no one else even interviewed. No one asked to interview. So the other 31 teams in the league not only didn't hire him, they had no interest in hiring him. And you can talk about, oh, he has experience because he was an interim head coach. That is the biggest asterisk. That doesn't count. He was an interim coach seven years ago in Miami. You're not organizing training camp. You're not picking the roster. It's easy to be the substitute teacher that is the rah-rah fun guy and everybody loves you coming off a tyrant like Joe Philbin or like we saw the players in Detroit loved Daryl Bevel on the heels of the Matt Patricia uh, tyranny. So everyone's excited about Dan Campbell. He might be good. There's no reason to suggest that he will be. Blind faith. Let's move on to Brad Holmes. Everyone's celebrating Brad Holmes, the new GM. 
imported from the Los Angeles Rams. The bottom line is he is a scout who has never run a building, has never run a department, has never run anything. And I know locally Carlos Monterez of the Free Press got a lot of heat. Now, I'm no fan of his, but Carlos Monterez of the Free Press said they hired the guy who was fifth or sixth on the organizational chart for the Rams, and he jumped four spots number one in Detroit. He might be good. He might be good. But again, blind faith. You're basing it on nothing. There's no evidence to suggest it. He has no track record leading anything. And that brings me to the third and final point, which is just egregiously bad. That Sheila Ford Hamp is, is being mistaken as some breath of fresh air. But the bottom line is she is still the one who told you in December of 2019 that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia were good. And we'll get to that later. But that's the bottom line. So you can say Sheila Ford Hamp is great. She's a breath of fresh air. She is the one that endorsed the return of Quintricia for year three in Detroit. It was an unmitigated disaster. Anyone with three brain cells firing in their brain knew it was going to be a disaster. So right there, you have three pillars that this faith is built on. And there ain't one solid one out of the three. So everywhere I look, this organization is being praised. And it's like how soon we forget the organization we're talking about. How soon we forget how excited most of you all were about Bob Quinn's draft, what, 10 months ago? When they had that, not even? I mean, when they had that, that June draft or whenever it was this past year, people were going crazy about what a great haul Bob Quinn had, what a great day the Lions had. They wanted his head on a stake like 52 days later. So it's easy to forget what organization you're talking about. It's easy to forget how much you all loved Bob Quinn initially. Most of us did. How much we all loved Matt Patricia in Detroit initially. Most of us did, myself included. It's easy to take your eye off the ball and get wrapped up. And, and look, we could go through myriad examples in town. And really nationally as well, the national level here in Detroit, it's like all over the place. But even on the national level, everyone's praising what the Lions are doing. So I'm not going to say I'm picking on this individual, but there was one individual, or has been all week, who has just been going off constantly, railing against any cynic about the Lions, saying the Lions have done everything beautifully, just perfectly in the last 10 days. Scott Anderson from 97-1, the ticket here in Detroit, midday host. He is just a bucket, a barrel of wrong on this. He, every point we talked about, the coach, the GM, the ownership, everything he has said this week has been wrong. And we're going to go through it and exactly why it was wrong. He starts off this week. In the first of several just ridiculous comments that just make no sense and are provably false in some cases, objectively, he starts off by defending Sheila Ford Hamp in this rant. We'll start there. You have the Lions haters out there, and they're always going to say, well, same old Lions because the Fords, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go back and look. Sheila took over the team officially in June. That time, the haters said that she wouldn't fire Quinn or Patricia because that they were owed too much money. There's no way they're going to get rid of that. They're not going to. They're not going to. 
eat that kind of cash when there's still years left on the contract. They said she certainly wouldn't fire them during the season uh, when it became apparent that they were actually going to be gone at some point. And then they were fired after Thanksgiving. Things happen quickly with Sheila. Okay. Things happen quickly with Sheila. So Sheila Fordhamp, the now uh, third in line in this family's bloodline to run this team, Sheila Fordhamp is getting praised by Scott Anderson. And this is not a rare take. This is a common thing out there. Is getting praised for quickly expelling the Quintrish era, firing them midseason, not even waiting to the end of the year. They cut that check to get rid of them. So we're crediting her for getting rid of them and absolving her for the fact that they're there in the first place. And how soon we forget, everyone talked about this transfer of ownership that took place in June before this most recent season. Sheila Fordhamp, on good authority from multiple sources, not mine, but from others, was basically running this thing for a full year in advance. And the evidence of that is in her quote in the December 2019 press conference announcing that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia would be returning. This is not Martha Firestone Ford. This is not uh, William Clay Ford Sr. Uh, from the grave. This is her direct quote, quote, changing coaches would have been the popular decision. And we knew that. But as I say, we're doing what is right for the organization. That is Sheila Fordham, December 17th, 2019. So Sheila Fordham with Martha Ford, of course, but Sheila Fordham in December of 2019 in the offseason leading into this previous year sits in front of the media and says, the fans are wrong. I know it would be easy. It would be cathartic to blow out the whole regime. But this thing is on the right track. I'm not going to take the easy path. I'm going to take the right path. That wasn't Martha Firestone Ford. That was Sheila Ford Hamp. So just because the attorneys had not gotten together yet and processed the paperwork, it's clear who was driving the bus here. And even if you want to be a defensive of the Fords and say that it was Martha Ford's decision, which I happen to know is not true, but even if you want to go there, at the very least, Sheila Ford Hamp clearly endorsed it endorsed the decision that was wrong on its face. This thing was obviously not working. And they set the rebuild back an entire year by waiting to act on it because you had two guys running this organization that had every incentive to go all in and do stupid things like drafting Jeff Akuta third overall, a win-now mode for an organization that had no business being in win-now mode. So that's just a myth that, that Sheila Ford Hamp is should be thanked for blowing out Quintricia. It's a ridiculous position. It makes no sense. Moving on, Scott Anderson talks about the GM search that eventually landed Brad Holmes. They said that they would screw up the head coach and GM hires because Sheila doesn't know anything about football and Rod Wood just has too much influence. And what does he know? He's not a football guy. So what did they do? They went out and they hired Chris Spielman as a football voice to sit in on the interviews. Then they brought in advisors, Rod Graves, Mark Hollis, and Barry Sanders. Mike Disner was kept on to handle the salary cap and the player negotiations, something that he'd been a part of for years prior to joining the Lions back in 2019. What, what is this? What is this nonsense? He's citing Chris Spielman, a broadcaster, Mark Hollis, a forced-in-the-retirement college athletic director, and Barry Sanders as uh, good things, good reasons why we should believe in this, this search. I mean, Barry Sanders was a hell of a player. What qualifications or experiences he have to be vetting GMs for a football team? 
So it's so funny that Scott Anderson is saying, oh, you don't like what they're doing? Well, what do you make of that Mark Hollis move? What do you make of Chris Spielman being involved? I don't make much of it. I make very little of it, actually. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's something that I would cite as a reason not to get on board. So I don't know what that's about. I mean, he doesn't really, in that clip or even afterwards, we didn't pluck any context out of that. There's no further explanation for why those moves were so great, why Mark Hollis is being cited as like, oh, what a great move, Mark Hollis. A forced in the retirement college athletic director was helping the, the GM search. But apparently that's a good thing. I, I don't know how you justify that. So we get into the coaching search and the coaching eventual hires. Scott Anderson talking about that. The head coaching hire, though, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the only new head coaching hire with any NFL head coaching experience. Now, to compliment the hire, what they do? They brought in Anthony Lynn, offensive coordinator, who was a head coach for a few years and offensive coordinator before that. Make up any uh, make up for the deficiencies that that Dan Campbell has on the defensive side. Coveted D backs coach Aaron Glenn gets the nod as defensive coordinator. Okay, again, citing things as positives that I would view and cite as negatives. We talked about Dan Campbell. To call him an experienced head coach because he was a babysitter half a decade ago for an organization in Florida that really didn't do anything with him anyway, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's preposterous. He, he's not an experienced head coach. It's the, it's the biggest asterisk on the planet. So stop saying that. It, it's a stupid comment. It doesn't make any sense. He's not an experienced head coach. And again, nobody even interviewed him. Nobody even was rumored to be interested in speaking with him. So you are like three degrees of separation away from having any competition for this guy. I'm not even sure if half the, the presidents in the league even know who he is. So, again, he might work out, but you can't cite him as some home run. And he talks about Anthony Lynn. Oh, he went and got Anthony Lynn, the discarded head coach flop for the Chargers. Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator, again, maybe it'll work, but what, what evidence do we have to work with? One year as an offensive coordinator, five years ago with the Buffalo Bills, they finished middle of the pack in, in yards. They were middle of the pack in almost every metric on the offense. So he has one-year experience in the position he's in now, and the results were a C plus. So, so far we have no experience. And one year of experience with mediocre results, which moves us on to Aaron Glenn, who he is also defending as a great hire, defensive coordinator. This one, at least some other teams were apparently reportedly interested in interviewing him to be a defensive coordinator, which is more than we can say for Dan Campbell's position as the head coach. But at the end of the day, again, what are you building this on? You're telling us we're supposed to be excited and buy into this coaching group based on Dan Campbell, no experience. Anthony Lynn, one-year mediocre experience. Aaron Glenn, no experience. Again, it might work, but you're basing that on nothing. It is a leap of faith. I'm okay with the wait-and-see approach, and that's where I'm at. I, I don't like these moves. It's not the move I would have made across the board, really. At Holmes, I'm actually okay with, but in terms of the coaching staff, not what I would have done, but I'm willing to say, okay, let's wait and see. So if, if anyone out there said, you know what, who knows, it's worth a shot, it, it'll be interesting if nothing else, I can get on board with that. I cannot get on board with, with this homerism. And again, it's not just Scott Anderson. This is not a Scott Anderson segment. This is like, he's actually the majority voice of this fan base regionally. I mean, not everyone in, in watching this show is from Detroit, 
That is the the regional perspective. So he's a representative example. It, it, it's it's bad, and this thing just continues. He gets into Matthew Stafford. I don't know where he's coming up with this stuff. Scott Anderson talking about Matthew Stafford in this rant. Stafford will never leave. He's too comfortable stealing money. Well, wrong again. Stafford asked for the trade. Lions didn't fight him on that. Both sides knew it was time, and yeah, but they're never going to get anything of value for him, right? That was the next thing. What happened here? They just got two first-round picks. They got a third-round pick, and they get Jared Goff. Okay, I don't know where any of this stuff is coming from. I really don't. I don't know what he's talking about. I, I, I talk about Detroit sports like every single day with a, a plethora, a cornucopia, a, a very eclectic mix of people. And I have never heard anybody say, oh, Matthew Stafford is stealing money. He doesn't care. So that's like a total straw man argument. And then he says nobody thought that they would get anything of value for Matthew Stafford. Who said that? I, 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 the worst opinion I saw was, oh, he might not get a first-round pick. He might get a couple second-round picks, which is still, by the way, a significant value in a, in a trade. I mean, two second-round picks has a ton of it. So I don't think anybody saw them bringing the haul back that they did, although even that comes with the caveat that they only got that haul because they took on the huge Jared Goff contract. So it's not even apples to apples with any other team that you'd compare the trade capital returning to. So, again, we're surprised maybe by the return, but nobody said that there was no value in Matthew Stafford. Nobody. He's just making stuff up. We'll finish here with him. He goes the the haters are going to hate route, which is always the place you go when you don't have a real argument. Haters are going to hate. Scott? So when you look at it all, haters are going to hate, Doug. But their oxygen is waning by the second. Sheila and Rod have made monumental changes to the organization. And only time's going to tell, of course, if they work. But the tired lines of they don't care or they're cheap, it just doesn't fly right now. Okay, Lions haters running out of oxygen is just a hilarious concept. There is not a group on earth with more saturated with oxygen lungs than Detroit Lions haters, quote unquote. So this idea that, oh, they're, Detroit Lions cynics are getting choked out by this offseason is just hilarious. And again, the skepticism of the Lions being unfounded is just bizarre to me. And he finishes with yet another straw man argument. I don't know what he's talking about. Whoever called the Lions cheap? The Lions have been fairly correctly accused of being incompetent. They have never been called cheap to my knowledge. Again, I don't know where he's coming up with this stuff. And it's like Detroit fans are so desperate. And again, not just Scott Anderson. Scott, we went to the same uh, you know, radio high school station. Nothing personal, Scott. But let's face facts. You are the representative example. You're in the majority. So it's most you against me. But the burden of, of proof here is on the Lions. The burden of, the, of proof on the Lions to show that they're actually good has to result not in press conferences, not in exciting T-shirts, but in actual wins. And this is an organization that hangs banners for qualifying for the playoffs. This is an organization that has more slogans than they do playoff wins. So... Everyone's so excited about the kneecaps and kneecaps and Dan Campbell, and they're already selling the T-shirts, right? Just remember, we were told the bar is high. Eventually, that led into we are building something good here, and that led into my shovel is sharp, and then that led into the Patriot way, and now we're on to bite off a kneecap. And I was one of those people with many of you in Detroit Lions Nation that were excited for all those little steps along the way, or most of them. 
I got jacked up too. But you know what? We were left holding the bag every single time. They're cute slogans. They're cute slogans. They make for a great T-shirt. My producer, Ben, and I have talked about producing our own bite off a kneecap T-shirt just for the the capitalistic aspects because the demand is so high and it, it would be foolish not to capitalize on it. But there's no wins here. There's no actual success. And this this idea that you're a cynical asshole for not buying into the Detroit Lions is just beyond me. I cannot believe people are falling for it again. Again, there's a difference between saying I'm going to take a wait and see approach to uh, you know see where this goes and going completely into the positive bin and, and celebrating this like it's some grand achievement. So just remember. I am unequivocally riding the fence. I don't think it'll work, but I'm still a Detroit Lions fan. I am going to ride that fence and just wait. For all you people saying that they got it right, remember, you are basing this on a rookie head coach, a rookie GM with no management experience, a rookie defensive coordinator, and an offensive coordinator with one-year mediocre experience calling plays. And to top it all off, a 70-year run with this ownership group and this family that has never been able to figure it out. So if you think that's a smart bet, if you want to get defiant on Twitter or defiant on your highly rated show on 97.1 or defiant wherever you are at your water cooler, wherever, there is a mountain of evidence against you and you can buy in. I'm not. And I'm rooting for you to be right. I hope... Everyone, the Scott Andersons of the world, and again, the majority, I hope they can stomp on my face in two years. Nothing would make me happier. I, I would eat that humble pie with a shovel. Give me a snow shovel. Just shovel it in. Give it, give it, give it to me. However, I don't care how you cook it. I don't care what you serve it in. I will eat it. But I don't think I'm going to have to eat it. I don't think this works. And I think we'll be hearing a whole new catchy slogan, I don't know, 32 months from now. That's where I think it's going. Hope I'm wrong. Don't think I will be. So that's your depressing Detroit Lions take from a tortured Detroit Lions fan. Let's get to bad social media and redundancy like no other. So this is fun. There's so many ways we could go in picking out a bad social media post or share or Bad social media content in general is like the easiest. It's, it is shooting fish in a barrel. There's You have to really uh, weed it down. But the one this week is just egregious. I mean, it is bad even by this segment standards and what we think will be happening going forward. So we'll start here. It's technically a tweet from Chris Broussard, although he is not the subject of our scorn. This was a, a few days ago. Chris Broussard, quote, Did this season prove Tom Brady is the GOAT or the LOAT? Rob Parker and I discussed. Now, for those that aren't familiar, LOAT is luckiest of all time, which is what Rob Parker from FS1 has described Tom Brady as. So they're teasing this clip in which Rob Parker continues, even right on the heels of yet another Tom Brady Super Bowl berth, he is continuing this crusade that Tom Brady is just lucky He's a solid quarterback that just has stumbled into his, his good fortune again and again and again. That's Rob Parker's position. We'll play a clip from this. Yeah, well, it's typical Tom Brady. Nothing's changed in my mind. It, it actually reinforced what I've been saying forever, that uh, Tom Brady continues to be the luckiest of all time. And it doesn't mean that he didn't make any plays or he didn't play well at some point, but he's lucky. 
Things have always seemed to work out for him, dating back to the start of him as an NFL player with the tuck rule and when the when he fumbled the ball. It, it's just always seemed to work. Okay, so this is just there's certain arguments in sports. You can argue about almost anything and and you know, play the devil's advocate, play the high school debate team. Okay, you take side A, you take counterpoint, you take pro, whatever. You can do that with almost anything. Like even the Michael Jordan thing, I think he's probably still the best of all time. But there's a ton of arguments for LeBron James. There's certain and there's very few arguments that should be automatically disqualifying because they are settled science. And that is this Tom Brady thing. I am a Michigan State guy. I do not like Michigan. Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time, probably the best football player of all time. That's done. And this idea that he's lucky. You need to be in a position to have luck matter in the first place. So I, he keeps citing, Rob Parker goes throughout this clip and, and for years has railed on this. This example in the AFC title game or this example in the Super Bowl. Hey, hey, Rob, you have to actually get to the AFC title game. You have to actually get to the Super Bowl to find the luck that you're apparently finding. And what run in the history of sports, NFL, uh, hockey, NHL, whatever, doesn't have multiple examples of lucky breaks, quote-unquote, along the way. It's just ridiculous. I, I don't know if he's trolling or what it is, but it's just Tom Brady is beyond reproach. I, I wouldn't say I'm a Tom Brady fan, but you got to respect him. And Rob Parker's out here clowning. It's just a ridiculous take. And, and it, it, he talks about the one time that he almost gave Tom Brady credit. This clip is just really something else. Rob Parker. And the one time, and when people say, oh, you can't get many, I, I, there was one time I thought Tom Brady had something going. And that was with the 18 and 0 Patriots. That's when I thought, okay, if this guy can complete that, Randy Moss, the numbers, 50 touchdowns, that was the one year I really was like, okay, maybe Brady has something going here. But the defense didn't bail him out that day. That team averaged 35 points. Brady scored 14. Wasn't enough. And the defense wasn't able to stop Eli at the end, and they wound up losing. Okay, my brain hurts. I mean, this is the, the brain pain, Coach. I, I, this is unbelievable. The one time that Rob Parker almost didn't, but almost gave Tom Brady credit was when he went 18-0 and and lost in a, co- a coin flip finish to a New York Giants team in the Super Bowl. Never mind the six titles. Never mind the other half a dozen close calls. The one time that he almost gave Tom Brady credit was the 18-0 team. But even that, that 18-1 team, as it turned out, uh, Rob Parker doesn't find that too impressive either. So at, at what point, if Tom Brady can't earn Rob Parker's coveted respect, I don't know who can. And again, I don't know... You know, Skip Bayless doesn't believe a single thing he says. I believe that. I think he is a complete uh, act entirely. I think Rob Parker actually believes this stuff, which I don't know what's worse, like being a fraud or just being uh, off the, the reservation. But this position that he's taking is just ridiculous, and it has been for years. What has not been a ridiculous position of his for years, because it just happened today, Rob Parker, we talked about Matthew Stafford, we talked about Rob Barker. Let's merge the two. Let's get them married. Writes this article for Deadspin, which who knew Deadspin was even a thing anymore? It was news to me. Writes an article for Deadspin today, which was just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever read. 
quote, this is the headline, quote, if Matt Stafford were a black quarterback, he would have been out of a job long ago. Talk about a double standard, end quote. We debated whether we were going to pull a bunch of excerpts and just blow up this ridiculous article piece by piece. We figured it was not worth your time or ours, but maybe you can just take my word for it, or if you want to take the plunge, by all means, go ahead. The article cites absolutely zero evidence of racism whatsoever. None. There's none. The entire basis of this Matt Stafford only had a long career in Detroit because he's white thing is Jameis Winston. He said, look at if you kind of look at these numbers a certain way, Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay had similar numbers and he got run out of town. There's so many things wrong with this argument. For one, Stafford was just flat out better. It was close some of those seasons. Stafford was flat out better. Two, Winston's last year, he threw 30 interceptions. He was a turnover machine, something Stafford has never even approached ever. So you have to look at the last year, not just the entire body of work. What were they getting rid of at the time they were getting rid of the most turnover-prone quarterback in the history of the NFL, literally, objectively? The, the most turnover-prone quarterback in the long history of the game. It's a ridiculous assertion. There's no evidence whatsoever. and. He completely, I don't know how you have an argument about Jameis Winston and a team deciding to cast him off without even mentioning the significant baggage that he had. He came into the league with what seemed like a credible rape allegation when he was at Florida State. He came into the league with another issue where he's at the quad screaming at women uh, expletives. That's something he admitted to that no alleged about that. He came into the league with all these strikes. I, I, wasn't he the one that stole like crab legs too? Wasn't he the crab leg guy? That was before he even got to the NFL. Then the NFL, he's out of shape by many accounts, showing up to camp 20 pounds overweight. He was uh, admitted to inappropriate conduct with an Uber driver and groped her, supposedly, and was suspended for three games. So even if you want to make the statistical argument, Winston has some uh, myriad character issues that Matthew Stafford never has and, and probably never will. He's the most vanilla guy, most boring guy on the planet. So what a week for Rob Parker. I mean, just a, a rough go of it for Rob Parker. So a very fitting entry into the bad social media Hall of Fame, Rob Parker. My God. So that was, um, that was interesting. And I'm going to go uh, probably have a glass of wine because we talked about Rob Parker and the Detroit Lions, not two of my favorite topics, but that was the first ever off the curb episode. We got a lot of stuff coming uh, end of this week with Tony Paul from the Detroit News. He's been in here a couple of times. He is awesome. He is a wonderful, wonderful uh, writer. We'll talk Tigers. We'll talk a lot of stuff. And uh, he's good. So Spiro Avenue Show, Tony Paul will be here on Friday. And of course, Off the Curb will be back next week as well. And I would be remiss if I, if I did not mention our sponsor, The Smuggler's Son, Virgil's Vineyard, a strong ally of the Spiro Avenue force here. So they are uh, the best. They are right next to me. All the guests of the Spiro Avenue show get one of these bottles. So check them out at virgilsvineyard.com and hit up that promo code Spiro, S-P-I-R-O, at checkout for that 10% off. And again, high praise to Ben Augusta on the other side of the wall. Our producer does a bang up job. We've had a lot of fun putting this together. It's going to keep rolling. So thanks to you, uh, thanks to you all for watching. Thanks to Ben for doing a bang up job on graphics as always. 
A lot to come. We'll be back. Thanks. Spiro Avenue, Off the Curb, Episode 1, in the can. Thank you.